Christchurch, New Malden. 15th of August 2021. Nathan Larkin speaking in the series. Hope amid the broken signposts. The search for truth. Well, a bus carrying a load of politicians was driving down a country road when suddenly the bus ran off the road and crashed into an old farmer's barn. The farmer jumped straight off his tractor and went to investigate. He wasted no time and had soon dug a large hole where he proceeded to bury all of the politicians. A few hours later, a search and rescue team arrived and they saw the crashed bus. They asked the old farmer where all the politicians had gone and the farmer explained what had happened while he walked them over the field to show them the place that he buried them. Oh my goodness, the rescue team replied. So they all died in the crash? Well, said the farmer, some of them said they weren't dead, but we all know that you can't believe a word politicians say. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't resist starting with that. <laughs> but I mean, we, we laugh. That, that, that's obviously a joke, fortunately. Um, we, we laugh at statements like that. But, but the fact that we do make jokes about how little we expect to encounter truth in our public lives is really quite a sad indictment of the world that we live in. Of course, truth can be an elusive thing. Mankind has been in dispute about what truth is since the beginning. If you ask anybody the question, what is truth, the response will be what that person has experienced and what their understanding of reality is. But with such a, a kind of variance of opinions and convictions about what truth is, which is seemingly different for, for almost every person, humanity has been missing the defining meaning of absolute truth, something that should mean the same to every human. Now, our dictionary gives the definition of truth as the real facts about something, the things that are true. Additionally, words like fidelity and consistency are used. But without a singular standard of truth, humanity lives in chaos. If we look anywhere in history, you'll see that without a true standard to live by, individual truths always result in conflict. People want others to live by their standards, their rules or their beliefs, so that the world will be at peace with them. But that sounds like chaos. Surely we are much better than that. The church, we, we believe in truth, don't we? Well, we do. And hopefully we can have that reaffirmed for us this morning. And yet it is really disturbing to realize that within the church, we've somehow managed to split off into roughly 41,000 different denominations in the world today, based on sometimes tiny variances in our understanding of what the truth is. The truth is that wherever we look, we find confusion about truth. We find this vast confusion about the truth of life and how to live it well. And yet, just like all of the other signposts that we've been looking at, love, beauty, justice, spirituality, broken or not, truth is still something that we deeply want. No one chooses a friendship or a relationship that's based on lies. 
When people stand in court on television, they swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. We may understand that it is a signpost that's broken, and in our postmodern times, it's seemingly very broken. But we would still rather live in a world that believes that truth does matter. At one point in history, uh, truth was seen as very, very important, and people deeply wanted to know truth and to know it, and in that way, gain wisdom. It used to be that people who searched after truth were called lovers of wisdom, philosophers, philio meaning to love, and sophos meaning wisdom, to love wisdom. But today, philosophers are those who question truth, who, who pick it apart and suggest that there is no such thing. In our culture, we question whether truth really exists or not. If there is such a thing as truth, is there anything that we can call an absolute truth? Others want to know if indeed truth does exist, is it knowable at all? Can anyone really know the truth with any kind of certainty? Or the question even may be, is truth all that important? And I think the biggest shift that we've made is we've become people who predominantly live according to our feelings rather than our minds. We base our decisions, both moral and otherwise, by what we feel is the right thing to do, not necessarily because we've carefully thought it through. And our feelings will often have become more important than our ability to think. But what I want to say today is that truth is important. What we believe to be true is important because it will determine how we see life and how we choose to live our lives. It will determine our ability to understand life and to obey God. In our reading from John chapter 8, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, if you stick with this, living out what I've told you to do, then you're really my disciples. If you do that, then you will know the truth. Then you will experience the truth for yourselves, and that truth will set you free. And this is a common theme throughout the Gospel of John. The author focuses on truth at really key points during the narrative. In fact, Jesus in the Gospel of John starts a sentence, very truly, I tell you, no fewer than 26 times in the book of John. So what is he trying to put across? What is that all about? Well, throughout John, Jesus meets various people whose words and sometimes actions challenge this idea that truth really even exists. And it reaches its climax in his trial before Pilate and Pilate's scoffing at the notion of truth. But our world today isn't really all that much different than, than, than it was then when, when we approach truth. We encounter similar attitudes around us all the time. The world seems to have chosen to teach tolerance for lies, rather than even attempting to find truth at times. And this tolerance means we'll often accept lies by calling it something like, well, it's their truth. But bit by bit, our expectation for any truth at all is slowly eroded. And none of us are immune to this either. We may call them little white lies, half-truths, alternative facts. And perhaps most skillfully of all, we can even manage to dress our dishonesty up under the false pretense of kindness, 
Oh, I was just trying to spare their feelings. What good would telling the truth have done anyway? It would just upset them. But tolerance of a lack of truthfulness leads to acceptance. An acceptance within us and an acceptance within society that a lie, it can be a satisfactory alternative. We've come to a point where making someone feel good by supporting untruths, just to avoid making them feel angry or even to protect ourselves, has become accepted not not only as okay, but actually as noble. We're in a society where it's more offensive to call someone out when they're lying than it is to tell the lie in the first place. What's going on? How can that be right? That lying or misleading or telling a half-truth is somehow more acceptable than challenging the lie? Does truth really matter so little? It may be a more comfortable way to live, perhaps even more pleasant in some ways. But truth is the victim. And it seems like it's a sacrifice that we are all too willing to make. But as Christians, we must realize that this way of living, a false unity, a cheap grace that avoids truth-telling, is simply incompatible with the way of Jesus. When Jesus started a sentence with, very truly, I tell you, it often ended with people picking up stones or plotting to get rid of him. The truths Jesus told were often countercultural, and they didn't always go down very well. You've probably heard this old fable about the six blind men who stumbled across an elephant. One took a hold of the elephant's tail and declared with certainty that the elephant was like a rope. Another blind man felt the elephant's great side and said it was, no, an elephant's like a wall. Another felt the ear and said the elephant was like a fan. Another felt the tusk and said it was like a spear. On it goes, but you get the idea. And this story is told to demonstrate the idea of pluralism, to show that no one really understands all of reality or has a corner on the truth, and that we should therefore be open and tolerant of all ideas. Now, there is a really good lesson there about perspective, for sure. But there are a few problems with this story for us as Christians. The first is, that all of the men in the story are blind. And the assumption is that we are all really blind. So blind, in fact, that we are incapable of seeing what's right in front of us. But the truth is that God has opened our eyes and he has revealed his truth to us in the person of Jesus. We don't have to keep blinkers on. We can choose to see God's heart for his world and for his people, if we're only willing to look. Or to borrow from Jesus and to completely mix the metaphors, let he who has ears hear. As Christians, it's not good enough to simply fall in line with the world's, well, truth is complicated line. That's a cop-out. If we want to know truth, then we need look no further than Jesus. The second problem with that story is that all of the men were wrong. They did have at least a little insight from their different perspectives. And although parts of the elephant were like their descriptions, 
the elephant really did exist as a whole. It wasn't any one of those things that they said. It was an elephant. And I wonder if this is true for us as well. We fumble around pontificating about questions of morality and truth as if the answer is unknowable. And yet it's often not so complicated at all. If we take a proper look, in fact, it's often right in front of our face. Perhaps the main reason that the signpost of truth is broken is that God is the obvious elephant in the room that everyone has agreed not to see or talk about, especially with any certainty. We live in a culture where it is often seen as more wrong to judge evil than to do evil. Tolerance is the great virtue of the day, and judgmentalism is the great sin. But the Bible tells us that God's angry displeasure erupts as acts of human mistrust and wrongdoing and lying accumulate. As people try to suppress and put a shroud over truth, it says that the basic reality of God is plain enough, and that by taking a long and thoughtful look at what God has created, people have always been able to see beyond what, is, what their eyes can see. And it says that no one has a good excuse. Truth is something that can be seen and understood. Sometimes we use extremes to, to make it obvious, but they exist. Slavery is clearly wrong. Setting people free is clearly right. It's better to love someone than to torture someone. It's better to build something than to destroy something. There is no football team greater than the Arsenal. (laughs) Sorry, I thought I might be able to slip that one in, but some things are just true. But truth, when we encounter it, is something that touches us profoundly and resonates in our soul. Truth is like being in a scene of majestic beauty that touches something deep inside us. When we hear truth, something within us says, yes, that is how we are made. Truth is about reality. It's about beauty. Can our ability to perceive the truth be distorted? Of course. Adam and Eve heard God speak and believed the truth that he spoke. That is, until the satanic voice spoke a lie to them and called it truth. And that same voice speaks today, trying to confuse us, attempting to lead us away from God's path, calling his lies an alternative truth, when in fact it's not truth at all. The Bible speaks about this when it says they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. John teaches us this important truth in chapter 3. And I just love the way the message translation puts it. It says, this is the crisis we're in. God's light streamed into the world, but men and women everywhere ran for the darkness. They went for the darkness because they were not really interested in pleasing God. Everyone who makes a practice of doing evil, addicted to denial and illusion, hates this God light and won't come near it, fearing a painful exposure. But anyone working and living in truth and reality welcomes it so that the work can be seen for the God work that it is. To follow where this signpost of truth is correctly pointing, 
we must stay close to God, to step into the light, to keep his word and to pray that we might be able to discern what is true and reject what is false. But facing the truth can be painful. I don't know if you've ever seen the film A Few Good Men, but I imagine that even if you haven't, you'll be familiar with its most iconic line. It arrives as Jack Nicholson and Tom Cruise are drilling each other in the courtroom. Tom Cruise, playing the aggressive attorney, shouts, all I want is the truth. And Jack Nicholson, who is on the stand getting the finger pointed at him, yells his response, the truth? You can't handle the truth. And that line, it's famous. It's often quoted, often parodied. It's often thrown at parents in moments of teenage rage. But the fact that truth does exist it means that we're accountable to live according to the truth, no matter how difficult it may be to face. It means that we may not like the truth, but we must face it. The truth is often uncomfortable to live with, but it's not something we can ignore. In John chapter 8, we see Jesus talking to a gathering who don't like what he has to say. And he tells them, I'm only telling you what the Father has revealed to me. And yet you're unable to hear what I have to say. Unable and unwilling. In fact, they're so unwilling to engage with the truth that Jesus is revealing, they begin, uh, sorry, the truth that Jesus is revealing, that they begin actively looking for a way to kill him. And Jesus ends this feisty dialogue with what must have been crushing words to them. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. If we claim that we belong to God, then we have to be children of the truth. We have to expect to find truth, and we have to believe that it is worth seeking. We have to be truth-tellers ourselves. And at the end of our second reading from John 14, we see Jesus promising to send the Holy Spirit as our guide and helper. And what does he call him? The spirit of truth. Later in the New Testament, we read that just saying that we believe in God, that we believe in truth, is not enough on its own. If we say that we know God, but are more shaped by our culture than how God tells us to live, then the challenge here isn't actually very subtle. It calls us liars and says that the truth is not in us. As Christians, we have to believe not only that truth exists, but that it lives within us. It isn't something we can ignore. We cannot bury truth. Jesus was the truth. They tried to bury him, but it didn't last. We may attempt to bury what we suspect is true, but none of us will ever really avoid truth, even if we delay it. And yet, if we cannot admit the truth about our faults, then how can we overcome them? But just as we finish, you may be thinking, so is being a Christian just a license to offend each other? Are we to go after truth, no matter what the method, no matter the damage done along the way? Of course not. How truth enters our lives also matters. Truth doesn't need to be rude doesn't need to boast or force its way into our lives. That's the favorite method of lies. 
Lies masquerade as truth, arriving by force, rumour, accusations, trickery, misconceptions and temptations. But then there's the gentle arrival of truth in a manger. How strange that sounds. You would think something so critically important to all humanity would be announced on a grand and imposing scale. Yet the introduction of truth arrived through a humble setting, acknowledged by the wise and despised by liars. This was God's way of giving us the keys to his new creation. John chapter 1 verse 17 tells us that grace and truth came by Jesus. And that's such a vital combination. Truth as presented and represented by Jesus is the way to live. But grace helps us to bridge the gap between arriving at that truth and living in it. Truth can be brutal, but grace is the cushion that allows us to connect with truth so we can become more like the master. John's clear that there is such a thing as truth, but he also shows that it takes grace not only to reveal it, but to make it happen in the first place. So truth is revealed to us in a person. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We hear people say that there are many paths up the same mountain. That's perhaps true, unless, of course, you're going up the wrong mountain altogether. Jesus is the truth. He is the signpost. Truth in our world is broken. Of that, there can be no doubt. But it can be healed by accepting the vision of God and his kingdom that Jesus lays before us in the Bible. The Christian gospel offers a deeper approach to truth than the world can provide. In a world where it's suggested that truth itself is an illusion, where truth itself seems like a broken signpost, leading us around in self-defeating circles, As followers of Jesus in that world, we should respond that there is such a thing as truth, even if it's more elusive and stranger than we sometimes imagine. And we see this truth in Jesus' life, in the choices he made, in the ways that he chose to live, and in the things that he taught. We see the way of his kingdom, the truth of his new creation, revealed in his actions on the cross and his resurrection from the grave. That is the truth that we need to live by. It is in self-sacrificial love that we find true meaning in life. That is the truth that will point us to God. And what's more, that is the truth that will set us free from every other lie we're told. Free to live as new creations and free to become truth-tellers in our own right. Truth as revealed in Jesus is the strange, gentle, yet also powerful truth of new creation. The new creation that fulfills the old by taking the shame and death of the old into itself and overcoming it. Truth is the reality of love, divine love, Jesus' love, the love of God made flesh. And this self-sacrificial love is both a gift and a template for us. It is the ultimate truth that we have been searching for. And that is how we fix this broken signpost. 
to realise that truth is revealed in love. Creation itself was made through love and will be remade through love. It was love that brought him to that manger. It was love that washed the disciples' feet. And it's love that goes to the cross. That is our ultimate truth.